Well, good morning on this Tuesday in the 10th week of Ordinary Time. What a beautiful weekend we just had, the celebration of the Holy Trinity and trying to explain that mystery. And today we have a continuation of mystery because we have a reading from First Book of Kings and a reading from Matthew's Gospel that don't, on the surface, seem to be connected. They don't seem to be a thread that logically links the two. So in humility, let me try to offer something that may help. This entire week, we're going to be reading from the first book of Kings. Today, we're in the 17th chapter. Balance of the week, we'll move through 18 and 19. But this reading from the first book of Kings that we have today, we have to go back to chapter 11. We're in 17 today. We have to go back to 11 in a very brief historical discourse here. We know the history of the kingdom in Israel, and that is Saul was the first king. David, his successor, was the great uniter, built this magnificent reality of their faith, both in the integration of their faith as a collected body, as well as began the the recognition of Jerusalem as the seat of that kingdom. Solomon, his successor, his son, was the most wise individual that has ever lived and built of enormous wealth, the first temple, and the the provisions within that temple were stunning to those who who saw it, those who laid their eyes upon it, couldn't believe its magnificence. But we know as Solomon's reign unfolded, he became distracted, we could say, in his faith, and he became united with many who were not of the Jewish faith. He became impure in his relationships with with many. It was certainly the practice then for a man to have multiple wives. Solomon had many. Uh, But some of those wives adhered to a faith expression from their ancestry, their aboriginal ancestry, and he then became idolatrous in his relationship with God. So, So Solomon goes to his death, certainly loved by God, as all of us are, but he had been very disobedient in maintaining the authenticity of his Jewish claim. So we have here in chapter 11, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and commanded him not to do the very thing, not to follow other gods. But he did not observe what the Lord commanded. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is what you want and you have not kept my covenant and the statutes which I enjoined on you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant, which happens. This gets us to Elijah because his servant, uh, Jeroboam, is whom takes reign of the southern part of the kingdom. The kingdom is divided between two, and Rehoboam, his son of Solomon, has reign over part of the kingdom, and, and Jeroboam has reign over the other part. And it's from Jeroboam that the... The sovereignty then passes through, through lineage. We have to jump now to, up to 16. Sovereignty then passes to Zimri, from Zimri to Omri, from Romri, Omri to Ahab. And it's under King Ahab's reign that Elijah comes to be. That's the connection. It's this divided nation and divided people that Elijah is speaking to. And the thread linking the beautiful gospel narrative and this story of Elijah and his provision to this elderly widow and her son is he's that light 
He's that light in the darkness of chaos of a divided kingdom. If you read the book of Kings, as I said, we will. You'll come to experience, some of you have already studied that, but you'll come to experience the, the chaos in which the people of Israel are living because their kingdom is now divided, in fact, at war with itself. Kingdom's divided and at war with itself. And Elijah is this continuity of light of, the, of God's promise. If go to Zarephath and you'll find a widow and she tells him, as we heard, her provisions are running out. After I make you this last cake, we're going to die. What a walk in faith she has. But she makes the cake, and Elijah says, no, it will not be so. And, and then as the story we heard read today so beautifully tells us, uh, he makes, she makes the cake, but do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me. Afterwards, you can prepare something for yourself and your son. For the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour shall not go empty, nor the jug of oil run dry until the day when the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And that happens. And subsequent to this, we're told it's at least a year, the rains do come and the wheat is germinated and harvested and bread is then made available. So he is the light to her, but he's offered as an example to us as a light in the world. In John's gospel, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Or John's gospel, he does actually say that in John's gospel. Matter of fact, let's read that. In John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So in today, we're actually in Matthew's gospel. That's a reference from John, but in Matthew's gospel, He's saying to them, be salt, be the salt of the earth, be the light. Do not hide yourselves, be that light to a darkened world as Elijah was to that moment in time. When I was at Mount Angel, Mount Angel sits on this rock face, or sits on the top of a rock promontory about 500 feet above the valley floor of the Willamette Valley. It's a wooded hilltop, but the monastery sits at the eastern end of that hilltop and it has this very prominent tower, the bell tower that extends above the tree line and it's illuminated. And uh, during the winter months we were sent into the Portland area for ministry. We teach our CIA or go to elder homes. We had, we had different assignments. But in the winter time it's dark early as you can imagine. 4, 4, 4.30 starts to get dark. 5 o'clock it's definitely dark. And as I would drive home on Wednesday nights from the north, because I was about 20 miles north of the monastery where my assignment was. Sure enough, on clear nights, as I, as I got close, two, three miles away, I'd see that bell tower illuminated from the distance. And it was my home. It was like, oh, there it is. It's my home. This light of a city on the hill. And we're called to be that in a world that certainly has its own chaos today, doesn't it? and doubt and arguably right now some infighting going on. We turn our heads and just not sure what to do with some of that. We're called to be that light. We're called to be that hope, that joy, that continuity of time that Elijah was and that the disciples were and we apostolically descended. We're called to be that light to the world, not to hide and go in our homes and shut the doors. Now, there's time for that, for prayer, for rejuvenation in our faith life. But then we're called to get back up in the morning and go back out and be that, that light to the world. I wanted to share with you today a, a prayer that I, I read often. I, I find it to be 
helpful in helping me enter into this teaching from Jesus even more so. This is from John Henry Newman, great 19th century preacher and inspiration. If you haven't read of John Henry Newman, you need to do that. Your library shelf is deficient if you do not have something from John Henry Newman. Oh my goodness. Matter of fact, the book I recommend is called The Language of Ascent. The Language of Ascent. And this short homily is being recorded, so it's on a podcast if you want to remember it. The Language of Ascent, John Henry Newman, 1870. Amazing work. You won't put it down. John Henry Newman says this to us. Dear Jesus, help us to spread your fragrance everywhere we go. Flood our souls with your spirit and your light. Penetrate and possess our whole being so utterly that our lives may be only a radiance of yours. Shine your light through us and be so in us that every soul we come in contact with may feel your presence in our soul. Let them look up and see no longer us, but only you. Stay with us, and then we shall begin to shine as you shine, so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be ours. It will be you shining on through us. John Henry Newman, pray for us.